What's up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Just Grow It, the podcast. I'm your host, Big City Gardener, and today we are joined by Dr. Ben Page. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. I mean, gardening has always been a big part of my life. Well, the majority of my life, uh, I was raised in a garden. There was times where we'd be weeding rows of corn, and I thought they would never end. Of course, that was when I was a little kid. So I imagine if I went back to those same rows today, and I'd be like, well, it's not that much. But I'm able to thank my parents for that. They raised me in a way that the garden was a big part of our lives especially when I was young, did kind of get away from that when we moved to the city. And it was a lot harder because the city that was really hot, it was Las Vegas. But I slowly came back to what is the garden when I was in Iowa. So another beautiful place to grow a garden. I was in chiropractic college, formal college of chiropractic. And there is, I grew my own personal garden, my very first personal garden, because all my gardens before with my parents. And it was such a beautiful experience, what we're going to talk about. And it wasn't a big garden. So this little teeny garden of mine, and it was a planter box that I made out of wood that was thrown out. So I, I found planks of wood that were thrown out to the trash. I made a three foot by one foot by one foot deep box. Okay. And I found, and I found two other big flower pots thrown out. So this is all things that I just found in the garbage, basically. And I asked the people, the, the, the owners, if I could take them. And they were like, of course, take it if you want it. And, and that's how it all started. That first little two flower pots, planter box that I had built and half in eggshells with seeds inside <laughs> and two different types of plants. It was peppers and tomatoes. And that's, and that's how it all started. And that was in Iowa. And since then, I've been growing gardens every season. Every season, I try to keep a garden every season. And it's been in different, different states. It's even been in different countries now. So I've been growing gardens and it's been a it's been a huge help to who I am and in the health that I have today. And that's one of my bigger reasons why I love talking about the garden. It's not just the nutrient dense food that we get from it, but it's it's the other things that it helps in our overall health as human beings in, in this ecosystem called planet Earth. Yes. So that's kind of my story. And then I've been a chiropractor for the last 10 years and I'm trying to help my patients understand the importance of nature and gardening as we treat their spines also. So you don't just crack the backs and crack the necks. You make sure that people understand there's a connection between what they put into their body and the way their body uh, performs and responds. Oh yeah. My job is as a chiropractic physician is, yeah, it's, it is to decrease the amount of stress and the, the articulations, the, the joints of the spine, but health is so much more than that. I mean, what we do in in the clinic, in the office, is, is just a small percentage of what, what health truly is. And a lot of it is coaching my patients to change certain lifestyles, to help them change certain lifestyles so it becomes somewhat of their natural way of living. And that's how true health is found because health is never reached. It's a constant, it's a daily, it's a lifestyle that happens every day and it never ends. It, till, up until the day we, we die, it needs to be how we are, what we involve into our lives. So yeah, the whole health, the health of the spine is super important, but it, it's just one part of what overall health is. And yeah, I love talking to my patients about the other aspects of health. And that's what gets me so, so uh, pumped up is the other aspects of health. I'm not going to lie. I, I do like treating the spine because it does help a lot. And, and if you're good at it, it's, it's great to see the results of people coming back and saying, wow, I feel great. Well, if you want to feel even better, let's talk about some other things. And that's how we get into the other things. And, and health is just, a, it's a great lifestyle. It's a great journey that never ends. And if you really, if you really want to get healthy, it's a daily decision-making process where we hope for the best. And sometimes we don't make the best, but then we wake up the next day and we continue trying our best. Yep. Yes. Yes, man. I love the way that sounds. So you said you were raised in a garden. Where was that? Where did your parents have a garden? Our very first gardens was in a small town in southern Utah. It was in a small town called Parowan. And yeah, I, I mean, every season we had a pretty big garden. The majority of our food that we ate, I believe, came from the garden. I mean, I can't say how much exactly, but I do remember eating even through winter because we grew food to also preserve. So we had freezers full of, of the green beans, the corn, of all the, all, the, all the vegetables that we grew would also go into the freezer. And like I said, we'd have rows and rows, and it seemed like forever when I was a kid. And I remember one of my jobs during summer and, and, and also those first weeks of school was, was to weed a row, weed a row of something. And I, I remember, I mean, I was young, but what I do remember 
members always picking a row of corn so I could play also like I was in the jungle. <laughs> Those tall stocks let me let me at least have a little fun while I was what I call playing in the dirt. So at that time, I, I didn't like it too much, but I look back at it now and it helped me become who I am today. That, that good work that helped me not only feed myself and, and my family, but, but it helped me become who I am today. But yeah, we started, it was a big garden. It wasn't small. Like I said, the majority of our food, I think, came from that garden. I can't be 100% sure. Okay. And you already answered my next question. I was going to say, do you think uh, being raised, working on a garden, always eating fresh food, do you think that kind of steered you down the health path in life? I think it was one of the reasons. I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to my parents. I mean, they, they're the ones that kind of raised us in this type of a, a lifestyle. So a lot of it comes from them and what they taught to me as a young kid too. I was always more of, of the alternative medicine type of a person. I always understood how the body is strong and it usually can heal itself. And that only was that only became stronger as I started learning about who we are in chiropractic college and then after chiropractic college, really diving into it. That's where I really dived into it. But during chiropractic college, that helped quite a bit. But yeah, as a kid, I mean, it, it wasn't just a nutrient-dense food too. I wrote this book, Playing the Dirt, and I talk about those things, but it, it's, it wasn't just a nutrient-dense food. It's, it's everything else that happened too. I mean, our immune systems, which basically protect us from anything that's foreign or domestic can be inside too, but anything that is try to do us harm, our immune system is what protects us. It's our defenses against all these things. And as a kid, being outside, as playing in the dirt, I was able to allow all those microorganisms found in the soil. And we're talking about billions and a handful and not just bacteria. We're talking viruses and we're also talking fungi. Those were all able to interact with my immune system at a young age and build it and make it as strong as possible. So if I did ever get sick, it was short-lived and it wasn't that bad. I'm not going to say I never got sick. I mean, I got all the normal chicken pox and all those stuff that we get as kids, but it was never that bad. Right. And one of the main reasons was because of the garden, not because of, not just because of nutrient as food, but being able to touch the soil and actually play with these microorganisms that helped me become a lot stronger internally and also physically because I got outside and I moved my muscles and I moved my joints and I was able to keep them strong by putting my muscles and, and bones against the weight of the earth, which sometimes can be pretty heavy, especially for a kid with a shovel. So there's lots of things that the, that the garden helped me out as a young kid. Very true. All right. So you mentioned nutrient density of food. Would you mind explaining to everybody what that actually means? Yeah. Today we're living in a society where the majority of, of our foods are, are nutrient poor. I mean, it's basically just, just dead calories because the soil is dead. The only way, so if we eat animals, they have to eat grass that is comes from pasture that is alive. And if we're going to eat vegetables, it has to be the exact same thing. It has to come through a soil that's live. So when the soil is alive, when it has all those microbiology in it, the bacteria and all those microorganisms in it, that's how the nutrients from the soil get into the roots of the plant and then from the roots of the plant to the fruit that we'll eventually eat. So it really starts at the soil. If we're not, if we don't have a soil that's healthy, what we're eating is really nutrient poor food and the nutrition is very low in that type of food. And we see as as, as time has gone by, it's becoming more and more difficult to find those types of foods. Luckily, there is a resurgence of people gardening and looking for other gardeners and other farmers and other ranchers that have food that's nutrient dense because we're getting to the point where we're becoming very, very sick as a world, not just as a nation, but as a world. So it's really important to have soil health and, and that's where it all starts. So the, the first thing I always talk about is, is compost. Start to compost. Take all that organic matter that you usually throw away and don't. Put it into a compost bin and compost it. And even if you're not going to even throw it on, even if you don't have a garden, throw it back on your grass. But I recommend getting rid of the grass and growing a garden because if it's not, what we're eating really is, is nutrient poor and, and it's not going to give us the nutrient that our body needs to be able to do its job. And our body has one job and that's build health. That's its only job and that's all it really knows how to do. And if we give it the proper nutrition, so if we give it food that was grown on fertile soil or meat products that were eaten or that ate grass on fertile soil, we'll get the nutrition that we need. But hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> okay, so even if it is organic Food, right? You go to Whole Foods, you go to a grocery store, wherever it may be, and you see the sign that says organic. That doesn't necessarily
necessarily mean that the fruits or vegetables that you are eating are nutrient dense. Is that correct? Yeah, you can't. It's it's not it's not that simple anymore. I mean, I wish I could say yes, but even a lot of the organic farms, they're yeah, they're doing it in a way that the FDA says it's all right and you can put organic on it, but that doesn't mean that it's nutrient dense. That's why I always recommend my patients and the people that I talk to is grow as much as you can. And what you can't grow, get it as local as you can and get to know your farmers. Because yeah, you can go to all these big stores and it'll say organic on it, but that's just not enough anymore. The best way to get the nutrition that you really want and that's what your body truly deserves is growing your own food or getting it as local as possible and getting to know your farmers, getting to know who's growing your food. And people might say that's tough and I don't want to do that and I don't want to have to do all this, but it's very rewarding too. It's very rewarding and very healthy to get out and into these places and get to know these farmers. And it's beautiful to see what they do. Uh, It's a beautiful work that most people don't get to experience anymore. So I recommend going out, getting to know these farmers, getting to know their operation, and you're going to see exactly what it takes and what all the hard work it has to go into is growing food for who for, and, and what we need is, as human beings to become healthy. So that's always my recommendation is, is grow as much as you can at home. Some that might be just on the windowsill. And then if you can't grow at all, well, get to know your farmers, get to know your ranchers, because at the same time, I do recommend meat in diets also, not just just not just produce grown like vegetables and fruits. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think people have really become disconnected from food in a sense, right? Because it's so easily it's so easily available. You can go to any grocery store and get anything you want at any time of the year. And that kind of separated us from the farmers or from the growers. And I think it is extremely important, like you're saying, to know who grows your food and know how they grow it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, in almost more important how they grow it. Right. Make sure they're not using chemicals. There's no, I mean, all these new intolerances in foods. To me, it all goes back to the chemicals. It's not the intolerance of foods. Of course, I mean, vegetables, we can get into the whole subject, but we won't. But the whole subject of, of fruits and vegetables and how we can, what we can tolerate and what we don't. But the big thing is the chemicals. Our body does not recognize these chemicals and we have to detoxify. And that puts a lot of stress on our organs. It's the chemicals that are causing so much, so many problems. It's not just, it's not so much the intolerance of food, just the intolerance of chemicals that we're putting into our bodies. Right. So the least amount of chemicals that we eat, the better off. And I feel like these are the same chemicals that are stripping the soil of all of its microbes and all of the life within it. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And, and I was just listening to something yesterday. It's it's not that and it's not just the chemicals that are doing us harm, but these chemicals are also making certain bacteria that it become antibiotic resistant. So now they're saying it's not just the amount of antibiotics that are using the, the American well, the world, but it's all these chemicals being sprayed is also making antibiotic resistant bacteria. So it's not only the onslaught of chemicals, but now the onslaught of bacteria that, that we just can't defend ourselves against, which is, again, the grand minority, the grand minority. But it's that's what it's doing. The majority, we're talking the grand majority of anything our body can and will defend if we are healthy enough to allow it to defend itself. Don't input things that we don't need, but that's, that's another thing that's happening. So it's just not the chemicals anymore. So how do we stay healthy at a time like this? Yeah. You know, and that that's really that's really a way to segue into the first book you wrote, uh, Four Pillars of Health, right? Tell me about that book and how we can stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, health, like I said at the beginning, it's a lifestyle. It, it has to be something that we are willing to live day in and day out. And that's what makes health for so many people difficult. It's hard to make habits and it's even harder to make healthy habits when we don't like what we're doing. So it all starts really deep down inside of us at, in what we believe, what we were brought up in. So our belief systems, So because our belief systems is what is how we act, is so how we think and then how we eventually will act. So if we want to be healthy, we have to decide, well, I need to take responsibility for my health and I have to do certain things. We do have modern medicine for a reason. I mean, it has saved millions of people thanks 
to, well, because of accidents and crises. I mean, if it wasn't for modern medicine, a lot of these people would have not made it. But at the same time, we see our world is becoming more and more sick. So if we have more doctors and more hospitals, more nurses, more ambulances, why is the world becoming sicker and sicker? So we do have modern medicine for emergencies and crises. But when we're looking to just build health, that's a responsibility that each and every one of us need to take and realize that it's decisions we make on a daily basis. Each decision is either moving us more toward health or the opposite, more toward sickness. So we need to make sure that the majority of our decisions, our lifestyles, are moving us toward health. Hey, what's up, world? Sorry to interrupt the show, but I need you to do one thing. If you like this show and you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, please take a minute to give me a five-star rating. And while you're there, like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to your podcast. And when I talk about the four pillars of health, my, my philosophy on what health is, is first, yeah, eating nutrient-dense food grown on fertile soils without chemicals. That's one. Then the second one is the amount of movement we give ourselves. We have to be moving. We need to move more. Without moving more, we become sick too. Movement also goes with rest. So we have to be resting enough. So movement, so movement is a chapter, but I also include rest with that. So we have to have a combination of both and we need to make sure that we're getting enough of both. And then another one is how we talk to ourselves. I mean, the majority of, of chronic illness is not due to physical, but it's due to emotional weakness, the way we speak to ourselves. So the whole emotional and the emotional sickness that we're seeing in the world today has a lot to do with our physical sickness. So we have to learn to control how we talk to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves how, how we talk to other people. Really, We have to treat ourselves how we treat others. And the last one is spinal care because our spine is what controls everything, not just movement, not just sensation, but everything has to go through the spine, the brain, back to the spine, and then out. So if we don't have a healthy spine, there's just no way we can truly be healthy. So those are four pillars of health. And one of the reasons why I talk about the spine so much is because of the stress response. So we need to decrease the amount of stress we live, but also realize that there is some moments in life that we do need to experience stress. We do need to leave our comfort zone. If we don't leave our comfort zone and have that acute experience with stress, at the same time, we can't truly be as healthy as we'd like to be. So we need to try to reduce as much stress as possible. And in my book, The, the Four Pillars of Health, I talk about how chiropractic can reduce stress and also the importance of those acute episodes of stress that build us also. They're all very important. So these are, and these are all lifestyles. So these are all lifestyles that we need to involve in, in our lives every day. We need to exercise. I recommend exercising three to five times a week rigorously, at least. We need to move. And that's one thing I love about the garden because the garden allows us to move and put weight against our bodies. There's moments in my life, I remember when I lived in Las Vegas, I had one eighth of an acre and it was dead. I mean, it was as dead as it can be. And I really got into what's called permaculture and, and regenerative agriculture. And I remember watching Jeff Lawton and his Greening the Desert videos. I was like, no way. I can do this here. I mean, I got stoked. I got really, <laughs> I got, I got pretty, I got, it's like, I can do this. So I started, and the first thing you do is you start with the earth, the earthworks. So I had to start moving dirt and I had a shovel, a pickaxe and a bottle of water. And to tell you the truth, those have been my best workouts ever. Pickaxe, shovel and a bottle of water. I mean, there's moments where I'd be done and I was drenched. I was sweating and it was just a beautiful workout. So it doesn't have to be in the gym. I mean, we can work out anywhere. And the majority of my workouts are outside, barefoot and not even with weights. I'll find, I use bags of homemade compost. <laughs> I use heavy uh, posts. There's a piece of, there's a there's wood here. There's posts here in Argentina that are made out of a wood called quebracho. And it is incredibly heavy. I mean, it's, it, it surprises me how heavy these, the, this, this wood is. It's, in English, it's actually, it's given the name axe breaker. So it's just a hard wood. So I use these posts and I lift, and this is what I use for my weights if I'm not digging into the garden. So we need to move. We need to make it a lifestyle and the garden's a great way to help us move. Like we need to learn how to speak to ourselves in a proper way. And that takes time. One way that the garden helped me a lot with teaching me how to, not teaching me, but giving me, giving me the tool I needed to, to shut down my internal voice. I'd like to share another a moment in my life that was actually very difficult. There was moments, it all started when I was in, before chiropractic college, but it got really bad in chiropractic college when I started to realize I was very toxic in the way I talked to myself. And it got to the point where it was, it was more toxic than anything else. I was having a really hard time. I was able to study. I still got through chiropractic college and I was able to graduate. But I remember walking down to get my diploma, hoping 
something would happen, some change. I would feel something. Hopefully, hey, now I'm done with this. I should be able to feel something. And I, and I remember it, it didn't happen. I remember getting that diploma thinking, I feel exact same. What's going on here? And I kind of, it, it, it was the last, it was the last straw. And I remember I went out with my wife. We had one kid at that time and we went out to supposedly celebrate and I, I just couldn't celebrate. I was constantly thinking about my past. I couldn't, I was super anxious about my future knowing that I had a huge load of debt. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And we ended up, I think we ended up eating in at a Burger King and me crying of sadness more than, more than joy for all that hard work we have just done. It got to that point. But one thing that kept me going was that first little garden. I remember when I first started that little teeny garden I talked about at the very beginning of this episode of this podcast episode is that little garden that gave me 15 minutes of being in the present moment. It, it allowed me to forget about the past. It allowed my mind to calm down and it allowed me to stop being anxious about the future. And every day I would come back from school, I would water that and I would just focus on that and Eventually, we were able to pick some tomatoes and peppers and, and eat them. But that brought me to the present moment. And I'm so thankful for the garden for that. It allowed me to meditate before I even knew what meditation was. It, it allowed me to have that altered state of consciousness before I even knew what it felt like. And since then, I've, I've had a lot more of those experiences. But the garden is what made, helped me feel that first. And I know it can help and many others can feel that way. And that was another reason why I wrote my second book is because I wanted to help other people realize that the garden is so much more than just being out in the in nature and growing food that's healthy. It can help you stay in the present moment. So that's another thing I talk about in the four pillars of health and go into a little bit more of it in my second book, Playing the Dirt with Personal Experiences. But the health, I mean, I could go on a long time talking about health, but in its whole, in its entirety, we as humans were built to be healthy. So if we give our body what it needs, if we lift life, lifestyles where we give our body what it needs, it will do all it knows how to do. It will build health and we will be healthy. So I think everything you just touched on about how the garden gave you a kind of a way to just be present, right? And how to just be there. And you said it was a way to meditate before you really knew what meditation was. That is one main reason or those are reasons why I am so passionate about gardening because I agree with everything that you have just said. And I've also even experienced that, right? A couple of my friends will tell you that some of my best ideas or some of our best conversations have come when we are just out in a garden and they might not even be doing anything. I might not actually even be doing anything in the garden, not planting or playing with the soil. We can just sit there and be in the garden, be in that space. And it feels like the energy there just kind of, I don't know, man, any stress or any anything you may have going on with you during that day when I'm in the garden, I feel as if it's all been lifted away from me. I love how you're talking about that you're with friends too. Another thing the garden does, we're beings that need to have community. If we don't have community, that we can't be healthy. And we've seen that with this whole terrible isolation of, of COVID-19, of how people have been told to isolate, but like we've seen the increase of sickness dramatically. We're humans, we're beings that need to have community. That's one thing I've seen also the garden make easier. And I had another neat experience with this too. Here in Argentina, where I lived for a while, we had we had no backyard. All I had in backyard were planter boxes. And in the front yard, I didn't have anything either. But we did have a space between the street and the sidewalk. So there's a piece of dirt between the street and the sidewalk. And I started gardening there. And I remember people would walk by, people that lived in that neighborhood, and they'd ask me what I was doing. <laughs> right. And we'd get to know each other. And these people would, and we'd, so we'd have these great conversations. And these people would go, and some of them had backyards. They were able to go home. And I started a garden just because they saw me doing one. One of the coolest experiences was a guy named Hugo, where he stopped and he's asking me some questions. And we started talking, and he told me that his wife wasn't doing so well and that he had to stay home and, and take care of her. And he really, he really wanted to help her. And I was like, if you go garden, give her nutrient-dense food, it's going to help, I promise. So he started it. And he would come by and he'd come and talk to me and he'd talk to me about the seeds and we needed to transplant and when he needed to garden and when he needed to put them into the garden and all these cool questions. But I was able to grow community just by being outside growing a garden. And that's another thing that gardens do. And if we have community, like you're saying, your buddies get out there, that only makes us even more healthier. It makes life so much more enjoyable having that community of people. And the garden does that too. So I love how you shared that and how you go into the garden with your friends and how it just everything just seems to be easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We it used to be uh, we would go to a basketball court and have some of our best conversations there. But then uh, it, it definitely transformed or transferred to the garden. <laughs> 
and I, everybody who knows me, I've, they they know that when they come over to my house, I'm usually outside in the garden. Oh, yeah. And that's the best place to be. I mean, out under the sun, your shoes and socks off. I recommend your shoes and socks off because then you really get to take advantage of what the earth can offer us. And yeah, just hanging out in the garden. It's a beautiful place. So you say shoes and socks off, even if you have, uh, do your bare feet have to be touching the soil or the grass or could your bare feet be touching, let's say, you hardscaped your yard and you have gravel everywhere. Is your bare feet touching the gravel going to give you the same benefits as touching grass? Yeah. I mean, yeah, gravel will give you the same thing. I mean, the important thing is, yeah, is, is touching earth and yep. They, well, yep. Gravel is going to give you the same, the same benefits. And I recommend being barefoot as much as you can, not just on, not just on the grass, but being barefoot as much as you can. We weren't made to wear shoes the way people are wearing shoes today. So the, the least amount of shoes you have on your feet, the better off you'll be. That's for sure. But being barefoot on earth, oh, the, the health benefits are incredible. I mean, it's a new term that more people are starting to, to use. But it's funny how they had to they had to give it a new term because naturally our, our ancestors did it naturally, but earthing or, or grounding, grounding, it's yeah, it, it's something that is shown in various ways how it increases our health. The, the primary ways through free radical reduction through decreasing inflammation. So the the ground is naturally negative charge. So there's tons of free electrons. So when we metabolize, we have free radicals in our body and we have to neutralize them. And usually our body can do it unless we become really stressed or if we move away from earth, if we stop touching earth, which the majority of the world has because they either have their shoes on all the time and that rubber sole doesn't allow any of the electrons to pass or we're living in cities and some people on top of each other. So you're, they're about as far away from the earth as possible. So if, if we can keep ourselves grounded and touching the soil, not only do we get those free electrons that, that neutralize those free radicals that can cause so much so much damage to our tissues on the inside it also it's like a barrier it's also a barrier it actually decreases the amount of the unhealthy waves that are around us all basically all the time now so the, the more we're barefoot the more we're going to be protected from those unhealthy waves too so yeah get in the garden and, and barefoot bare hands get your hands dirty and don't be afraid about it get your kids throw their shoes off throw the socks off get those kids out in the dirt and let them play in the dirt because that only is going to build them up it's only going to build them up there's no need to there's no need to think that being barefoot outside is gonna is gonna cause them really anything that's that's not good for them. True. I think it's crazy, uh, maybe not crazy, but I think it's amusing how the term or the idea grounding earthing is now becoming cool again or becoming mainstream again. It's same with gardening. I feel I feel like now there is a resurgence or people are paying more attention to gardening and everything that comes along with it. And not even just the whole homestead movement it's 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 becoming yeah it's becoming popular it seems like a lot more people are trying to homestead they're trying to trying to leave that life behind that they knew wasn't healthy they were they're kind of thrown into it and they're like this is just not right and that's another thing that, that i talk about in my book i mean as human beings we're not made to live the way we're living today and we're not made to live in cities we, we need space room we're not we weren't made to live on top of each other in the concrete jungles and and the way that life is today, how it's always it's always here to there to there to here, and we never have the time to just sit down and relax and enjoy the company of our friends and family. So a lot of people are moving out. It's not easy work. I mean, it's it's hard, but it's so satisfying. I was talking to somebody, and it's not work. It's effort, and it's beautiful effort. We don't have to call it work because it's effort we put into it, and it only brings good. It brings good to us and the people around us. So it's funny how these terms are becoming popular again. I mean, before, it was just something natural. They didn't have those rubber soles. They're usually leather. So we did get those electrons. Yeah, it's funny. And at the same time, it's kind of sad that we have to, to talk in this type of way where it should just be natural. People should just do it naturally. You were talking about homesteading. I think I have five more years in the city before I'm trying to find my way to an island of some sort to set up my own little homestead. Oh, and once you find an island, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get to Jamaica, man. I already know where I want to be. I'm trying to get to Jamaica. I talked to this guy quite frequently that's from Australia, and he moved to an island named 
Clark. It's an island with only a population of 500 people, and he says it's beautiful. I'm sure <laughs> it's right it off is. the Mediterranean. Because not only is it, he says it's so free there. I mean, that's what a lot of people people look for freedoms. And he says he went from Australia there, and he says, yeah, it's so free here. It's so beautiful. It's a population of 500 people. I was like, dude, that sounds pretty cool. And first of all, how did you find that place? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, he says he's enjoying it quite a bit. I feel if you can get anywhere where there's only 500 people, it's probably going to be an amazing experience. I agree with you there. I totally agree with you. <laughs> All right. So you said you started a garden in, I want to make sure I get this correct. You said, was it Las Vegas where you said some of your best workouts were with the pickaxe and a shovel? Oh yeah. That was a lot of work in that dry. I mean, if anyone knows what caliche is, they'll understand me. It's like trying to go through rock. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. And so I was with pickaxe. I mean, you sometimes you move inches in an hour because <laughs> it's so hard. And sometimes the caliche is really close to the surface. So I, I had some really good workouts in Las Vegas, that's for sure. Now, did you ever end up converting that? You said it was an eighth of an acre. Did you ever end up converting that into a gardening space? What's up, world? I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, then you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Big City Gardening YouTube channel. I'm going to have videos to go along with a lot of these podcasts. And besides that, over there, I give you a bunch of information to help you just grow it and even to help you just grow it better. All right, let's get back to the show. I had three years on that space, and by the time we left, we had the windbreak planted, so we had we had corkscrew mesquite trees as my windbreak, and they had grown about 12 feet tall, so they were doing pretty well their job. I had all my earthworks built. I had five garden beds, and I had seven, eight, eight fruit trees planted, and a chicken coop with chickens, and I was getting my, before we left, I was getting pretty good produce from the garden bed, but then we ended up having to leave. The reason it was able to progress so fast is we got hold of all the tree trip the tree clip the guys that train the trees in vegas and so they brought me truck loads of chip wood and where my trees were i had up to four to five inches chip wood around it all my pathways were chip wood and my and i'll use a lot of that to, to compost too so that was one but it never became the paradise i was looking for because we never had the time but we got a good start and it was some great workouts to get to that point but yeah i never got to see it super green i got some fruit i got some fruit from some of the trees yeah there's definitely magic in wood chips and i don't think people are maybe a lot of new gardeners i don't think they're aware of how much magic in life there is if you can get a hold of some wood chips or if you can just get some just regular hardwood mulch that has not been dyed yet. Yeah, my talking about that, my in my dad's garden in in a place that's a little bit more wet, not that much, it's still pretty dry, but his pathways in his garden where he walks is pure wood chips. We're talking about it's gotten to the point where they're about maybe a foot and a half deep and he pulls the stuff from underneath and this is beautiful. It's the most beautiful soil in the world. So he'll pull that out and then he'll put new chips on top of it and by the next season he'll pull it up again and it's this beautiful soil that you'll ever see in your life. It's crazy how it decomposes and quickly in a matter of fact and he throws that on his garden. So he basically takes his, his walkways and throws it onto his garden beds and then puts new chips in so the next year he'll do the exact same thing and it's yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it really is it's beautiful. Yeah, I had a buddy or I still do I have a buddy in California who he was probably the first person I ever saw do that but he had this massive garden plot and like you're saying every pathway was full of wood chips and I remember springtime he would turn the paths onto the bed and then come back with new wood chips and I don't know that I ever saw him use any fertilizers now that I think about it he no no he would make different kind of teas compost teas and worm casting teas but other than that it was mostly just the life that came from those wood chips decomposed wood chips oh yeah it's beautiful oh yeah for sure yeah man okay so talk to me about the book playing in the dirt tell me a little bit more about that see because when i saw the title i thought it was all about soil health now soil health is the main focus because without the soil health, there's not much we can do as humans to be healthy because our health basically comes from the soil because everything we eat eventually comes from the soil. So if we eat just vegetables, which I, I personally don't recommend, I, I personally recommend involving meats in our diets, but that meat needs to come from an animal that has eaten grass from a field that is also alive. So the soil is alive. So the reason I wrote playing in the dirt, I call it playing in the dirt is because us as adults, 
seems like we've kind of given up on playing. We make our lives too serious. And I think people make the garden too serious too. Yes, man. If we can just let just let the garden be and, and enjoy it, of course we're going to fail. I mean, that's part of the garden, the process. We're going to fail more than once. But if we can enjoy those those failures and learn from them and just continue next year and actually make it, make it something that's fun with yourself and your kids, ah, it may come so much easier to do. It seems like as, as adults, we're just too serious. So playing in the dirt, I talk about eight specific ways, which we've already talked about a couple of them on this episode, but in eight specific ways that being out in nature will not only heal us, but it'll build us and will also maintain us. So the subtitle to the book is A Sustainable Way to Stay Healthy. It's a way to sustain our health. When I talk about the garden, because the garden is basically an an edge of nature. So what I'm talking about is nature itself. But if we garden, we're playing with an edge of nature. And that's just like being in nature. And that's why I like the gardening so much, because it helps us not only be in nature, but it gives us so many other things too. So I give eight points, eight reasons why we should be out in nature. And if you want, we could continue to talk about those eight points. Yes. Yes, I want to get to those eight points. But first, I want to say I agree with you that people take their gardening too seriously and they take the fun out of it as adults. It doesn't have to be picture perfect. And I even recommend that it's not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, if people see my garden, how my garden has changed throughout the years, it started off being far from picture perfect. It was just because to me, the garden, it never was supposed to be a picture perfect place, right? It was supposed to be a place that produced amazingly healthy food and a place where I could go out there, leave my phone on the patio, walk out into the garden and just kind of forget about everything that was troubling me that day. Yeah. And that's what it should be. It should be that place where we can just leave all our worries behind. Oh yeah. And if we're out, that's where we should go to decrease the amount of stress. But sometimes we go there thinking it's not perfect. Yeah. We just stress ourselves. Even exactly. More because sure. once you try to make it perfect, then you now have added a whole nother stress to your life, right? I have to maintain this perfect garden. Oh yeah. Okay, let me get the eight topics from playing in the dirt. Cool. This is what the book basically involves. So the first one is, we've already talked about quite a bit, is it makes nutrition simple. Us nutritionally, it truly is impossible to know how much we need of a nutrient, when, and how to get it. As an ecosystem of cells, we just can't understand that. And that might depress people. It's like, no, it doesn't, we don't have to understand it. What we need to do is just provide our bodies with food that is nutrient dense and our body does the rest. So if we can provide our body with the food that's got the nutrition that our bodies require, that's it. We don't have to worry about the micronutrients, the micronutrients, the none of that stuff. Right. And as we can see, as ancestors, they never worried about that. But what were they? They were healthy. They were very healthy. And the reason was is because they ate food that was nutrient dense. And that's so by growing a garden and getting your food as locally as possible, nutrition becomes very simple. It heals us because we feel her. I mean, nature is felt. It's not thought. We don't use it. We don't use our brain when we're in nature. We use our heart. We use our feelings. And that heals us. I mean, just go outside after a long day in the office and feel the sun's rays and, and it gives us energy again. So just by being with her, I mean, in, in the States, it's actually called ecotherapy. People get recommended to go out into nature to de-stress because it heals us. And that's another thing. It, another thing is it decreases many forms of stress, not just the stresses of daily life, but even those very stressful moments. I mean, imagine having a garden at home and you're at work and you get laid off. I mean, now I have to stress about money to put food on the table. But if you have a garden at home, if you had maybe a surplus last year, you're able to bottle it, you're able to preserve it. No, when you get home, you're at least going to have something to eat. That's one less stress, even during those very stressful moments. We also talked about how it builds community and allows these communities to build us human beings because we can't be healthy without communities. We need communities. And we already talked about it. It provides adequate movement. So it puts weight against our muscles and our bones. It can be soft weight. So just nice and soft with a small shovel, just picking up some of the soil and planting a freshly new planted seed or a plant. Or it can be a lot of work like I talked about where I'm taking a pickaxe and a shovel and really working out. It also builds our immune system. So it builds our defenses. We also talked about that. And that could be foreign or domestic. And the way it does that is by being in contact with all these microbes, our defense, our immune system becomes a lot stronger. And for me, one of the most important things is that it brings us to the present moment. So it brings us to the present moment while we're doing something that's good. Being in nature, planting gardening is something that's good. So it allows us to be in the present moment. It allows us to be grateful for something that's good. And then we've also talked about grounding a little bit. And so it protects us from those unhealthy electrical pulses and it allows us to maintain our natural electrical state, which helps us be healthy in every way, every way possible. I mean, it's even shown that it helps 
circulation of our blood, just having our, our feet planted in the dirt. So those are the eight ways that I explain with a lot more detail and also some life experiences of my own in the book, Playing in the Dirt, and why I recommend that we should be outside as much as possible and get our kids outside as much as possible. So where can people find copies of these books? Usually most people get it on Amazon. So Amazon.com, you can get my, t- and then also my webpage. So if you live in the States, you can get it from my webpage and it's pastosverdesfarm.com. But most people just get it off Amazon. Pastos Verdes Farm, huh? Tell me about that farm. Was it an actual farm? I mean, it was for a little while. My wife and I, we raised chicken on pasture. We used the Joel Salatin chicken tractor process, which he talks about, but we made domes. Sores were in domes instead of boxes. And we moved our, our chicken every day, eight o'clock in the morning on the new pasture. And then we also did all the processing on farm and we did all the selling on farm. So it was a lovely experience. I'm not doing it, unfortunately, at the moment because we didn't end up moving. But, but yeah, it was a farm that, that we had for a while and it was basically just we raised chicken on pasture. And, and the reason I started it mainly was for my own family. I wanted my family to eat more healthy meats. And then I also sold to my patients first of all. And then if anyone else, if there was anything left over then, and then we'd sell it to anybody else. But the majority of the, the chicken was sold to my, was sold to my patients. So I work as a chiropractor in the afternoon and work as a farmer in the morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So can you talk to me about the differences between pasture raised meat versus, I guess we can just call it conventionally raised meat in health ways and how you actually go about raising the birds? Perfect. Yeah, the way we raised it was they lived outside, but under a cage from all predators. They were safe from the predators, but their main diet was bugs and grass. And then we supplemented it with non-GMO grains that we got from a store. And then they drank well water. And every day we would just move them and give them fresh grass and fresh bugs. And they were free to go wherever they want. They were basically stress-free. Well, they're free to go wherever they want in, in the coop. And, and they would just go out and eat all the grass. And, it, and it's, it's crazy what you'd, when you'd move the coop. I mean, they basically eat pretty much all the grass. And then they move to the next. And some of my favorite times of the day were moving that coop where the chickens would just follow me because they knew that's what they're getting. They knew the bugs in this grass, the fresh grass is going to be right there. And they just love, and I love watching them do that. And that's the big difference. They're stress-free. They eat what they're supposed to eat. In other words, they live as a chicken. Right. They live as a chicken should live. They're not confined in a place that's full of cement and, and they can't even move. And they're eating grains that are not what they're supposed to be eating all day anyway. They're living life as a chicken. And the whole process of also processing the chicken is, is a lot less stressful too because it's all on the farm. And at the same time, there's no transportation. The transportation is maybe about 50 feet from when they're raised. And it's all done with just me and some people that come and help. And so it was, it was a really stress-free environment for the chickens also to be processed. We're allowing the chickens to live as a chicken should live. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's very important. And I think that's very important. Do you notice a difference in the quality of meat uh, from pasture-raised versus conventionally raised? Quality, sure. And the taste also. But I always go back to the amount of nutrition found in meats. And to me, meat is very important in our diet. And it's where the majority of our nutrition is found and also the building blocks of who we are, the amino acid. So to me, the consumption of meat is, it all comes back to, to health. And of course, I love the taste of meat too, but it all comes back to health. And to me, it's probably the best way in the least amount to give our body the nutrition it requires to do what it knows how to do. And that course, we have to look for meats that are raised properly. So we have to look for animals that were raised as that animal should be raised. So a cow needs to be raised on pasture, eating grass its whole life. Pigs need to be raised somewhere close to, to a wooded area because that's where pigs are raised. And we prefer that they're, they don't have to be there, but they're, so they're out in the nature. And if they're able to root all the things out of our trees, all the seeds and everything that falls from the trees, I mean, that's the way a pig should be raised. I mean, this is what we should be looking for. The animals raised as they should be raised naturally. And if we can find that, you know that that's going to be incredibly nutrient dense. And you not only recommend the meat, but I recommend the fat. I recommend the organs because the organs are also extremely full of nutrients that our body deserves to be able to work as it should work our body. So it's a recommendation of not just the meats, the fats and the organs. That makes perfect sense because you talked about stress, right? Humans being under stress. And I'm sure that animals prior to being, I guess, processed, not pasture raised animal, more conventional raised animals prior to being processed, they're probably, their stress levels increase, right? And I'm sure that that stress comes out into the meat that people put into their bodies. Oh yeah. Their whole life is a stress. 
it's unfortunate. I mean, I think that's why a lot of people leave meat behind because they don't understand the importance of it, but they see how it's done. They're like, no, I can't support that. But if you find a rancher that does it properly and the animal lives a life of the animal and it's beautiful and you respect that animal, just like you respect the plant that you're going to eat also, it's beautiful. It's a process. It's a beautiful process and I don't see anything wrong with it. But most people leave or most people stop eating because they see what the conventional system has done to the animal and it is not right and it is not good and we should not be supporting that but we should be supporting our ranchers that are doing it properly that's for sure i agree i agree a hundred percent so i love the quote you said earlier that nature is not thought it is felt you might see that see me post that on instagram or something right because i really like it <laughs> no that's that's awesome and that's what it is yeah your description about the sun right you go outside and you just feel the sun you don't think about wow this sun's hot or things like that you just experience it. And not only that, I mean, people people travel thousands of miles to experience certain parts of nature. I mean, and when they experience them, ask them to explain it. And they'll say, they can't. It can't be explained in words or in thought. It has to be felt. I had one of those experiences in my life. I was able to experience uh, Las Cataratas de Iguazú, these waterfalls that are on the borders of Brazil, Paraguay, and Argentina. And one of them is called La Garganta del Diablo. And it's basically a, almost a full circle waterfall. And it's something that can't be described. You're there and you're like, wow, nature is so beautiful. And if we can experience more of that, that can only build us as human beings. Nature is beautiful. And at the same time, I mean, that doesn't mean you can't have a perfectly square bed garden completely made by humans. That's also beautiful, but it doesn't have to be like that. Right. But at the same time, that can that can also heal us. If, 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 your, if your garden's all manicured and everything, that's also beautiful. And it also heals us. Just the natural aspect of nature is incredibly beautiful. Beautiful from the mountains to the plains to everything else that we've been able to experience, see that what nature provides us. Yeah, I feel like gardening can really start people on that path to appreciating nature more. And I agree with you 100%. The majority of the people, that's where it starts. It starts in the garden. And not only appreciating nature, but appreciating who they are as a human being, taking responsibility for their health. Again, most people start in the garden. They realize that the food system is not right and they start taking that. And that's usually that first responsible decision of my health back. I'm going to grow some of my own food. And, and that first step is what takes them in the right direction. And they eventually find out that the way they've been feeling, even though they felt maybe good, they can feel so much better if they just provide their body what it deserves. And a lot of that has to do with what they consume. Food has probably been one of the biggest, one of the bigger stresses in the majority of society today because it's so toxic and, and nutrient poor. So I totally agree with you there. Man. So everybody listening, if you don't take anything else from this episode, which I think would be crazy if you didn't, but please remember that the key is to grow nutrient dense food. That's where it starts. And in order to grow nutrient dense food, you need healthy soil full of microbes, full of fungi full of bacteria. You need soil that is alive. Yep, that's where it all starts. I mean, the health of us starts in the health of the soil. Yeah. So if we want, if we want to be healthy, we have to have a healthy soil. Nature can live without us. Uh, nature is fine without us. We can't live without her. We cannot sustain ourselves without her. So it's so important that each and every one of us does our part. And if that's just composting your scrap organic material in your backyard, that's more than enough. But we all need to do our part. And the more that this, more that this movement continues to grow and how so these huge operations are doing starting to do the same thing it'll only get better but we have to start now because we have lost so much topsoil we've lost so much life in our soil that we are suffering the consequences as we become sicker and sicker as a human race so if we want to be healthy the earth has to be healthy right this ecosystem that we live on has to be healthy if we want to be healthy 100 percent. it all starts in the soil i feel like we need to get the big farmers the big grain farmers more in tune with regenerative agriculture, right? We need to get them helping to rebuild earth and the topsoil that they have destroyed over years of conventional farming. It's the thing. It's been decades now. I just got finished reading a book uh, that was written in the 70s that he was saying the exact same thing we're saying today. Got to get these people to stop doing this. So imagine this medical doctor is saying, this has got to stop. And this book was written in the 70s. And I was like, and, and continue to say the same thing today. But what I see, there is a difference. And this book that was written in the 70s, he also saw a difference. So it is a change, but it's a slow change. And, and unfortunately, I believe like you, we have to speed it up. We have to speed it up because the speed we're going now, um, it's only going to get worse. So 
so. But the cool thing about it is if we look back into the 1940s in those whole victory gardens, it's possible. We can do it because in the United States, during those victory gardens, I think what, 40, 40 million pounds of food or, or something like that was grown yeah. in backyard or front yard gardens. Yeah. I mean, so it is possible. It's definitely possible. And we can do it on a small scale if we do our part and everyone else starts doing their part. It is possible. But we have to change the, the paradigm of what food is. It's not one gardener has, one farmer has to raise thousands of acres of one crop to be able to feed the world. That, that doesn't work anymore. It never really worked in the first place. I mean, we can't fight against nature. We can win a couple battles, but the war and the war will always be won by nature. So yeah, we need to realize that it doesn't have to be like that. And we can give ourselves the nutrition we need without having thousand acre farms, the same crop. Yeah. yeah. And you said that you read a book from the 70s that was talking about things that we're talking about now, 50 years later. So how long, what more do people need to see? What more do people need to hear before they really start to make that, to make a drastic shift and change? It is not easy to change paradigms. It's not easy to be able to do that, but it is slowly happening and it has to come through the person. We can throw out ideas. We can throw out, it doesn't even have to be science, just ideas and ways that we've lived and how we felt by living it. And then we have to allow them to take make the decision. And sometimes we wish it could be different than that, but that's all we can do. And like I said, there is change and there's been a lot of change especially in the last couple of years with this homesteading movement growing and all the people trying to grow some of their own food. There's been some positive change, but the best we can do is talk. Let the people know that there's a, there's something different. It doesn't have to be the way that it's always been. And maybe the new way could even be better. So like people like you that has this podcast, Way You You Garden, and people that see what you're doing, after, that's enough. And I think the more people like you and the more people that are out there talking about something different is the way we're going to change this all around. And that's exactly what this medical doctor did in the 70s. I mean, he was one of the very, very few back then. And through him and some other people, I mean, they saw some change, even at large farms in Iowa that I read about, even some of the large farms, and I would stop using some of these pesticides because of this one person talking. So it's, it's so important that we, we let our ideas and our thoughts be known. And don't be scared. Who cares if people say no or, or, or don't agree with you? That's, that's the least of our problems. The problem is not talking. Uh, don't be afraid to speak your thoughts. And hopefully through one person that gets to two, to two to four, four to six, and it continues to grow from there. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm not going to stop talking. I, I know this can help people because it's helped me so much. So if it's helped me so much, I know it can help a lot of other people in so many acts and so many ways of life. So I'm going to continue to speak about it until until I can't speak anymore. <laughs> I am going to do the same thing, my friend. I'm going to do the same thing and try to change and influence as many people as possible. Yeah, and from what I've seen, you're doing a great job. <laughs> really appreciate that. Well, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day today to hop on the Just Grow It podcast, man. Will you let people know where they can find you uh, online, all of your social media handles and websites, please. Yeah, the best way to get hold of me is on Instagram. So at, at BenPageDC. If you get hold of me on Instagram, I am pretty sure I'll get back in touch with you. And then my website, pastosbetterthisfarm.com is where you can, that's where all my books are available or on Amazon too. You heard it here first, folks. This was another great interview on Just Grow It. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please remember to grow nutrient-dense food. Just because it says it's organic does not mean that it is full of all of the nutrients that your body needs. Before I let you go, I need you to do more than one thing. First, I need you to like, comment, subscribe to the podcast. Second, I need you to tell a friend or two about the show if you enjoyed it. And if you have anybody you think I need to talk to, I should interview, send the name over, put it in the comments, or send me an email, igrow at Big City Gardener. And check me out, man, on Instagram and on all social media platforms, Big City Gardener. We out. Oh, almost forgot. Just grow it.